Welcome to the Free Your Energy Podcast. One of the best feelings in the world is when you feel safe. When you feel safe, you open up, you share, you experiment, you explore, you ask questions, you learn, you grow. And when we don't feel safe in our body, there are so many emotions that can flow through us. So many ideas about what is and what is not. And one of the things that can help us feel safe is support. Support of a friend, support of a partner, support from an educator, a teacher, leader, psychologist, coach. Today, my guest, Mr. Mike Campbell from Australia, New Zealand, uh, is a coach. He is a heart-centered coach. He comes from a place of safety, integrity, but he comes with an invitation to push your buttons safely. Oftentimes when we think about our buttons being pushed, we often just think about, hey, this is triggering. But the truth is, we need to have our buttons pushed, all of the buttons, so we can experience all of life, all of the emotions that come with life, all of the thoughts that come with life. I'm so grateful that Mike was able to join us and to share with us his journey. Uh, And really, it was only the tip of the iceberg, but it felt so, the conversation with him felt so deep and it felt so... Uh, I'm just appreciative of the ride he took us on. I hope that this conversation offers you an invitation. I hope that what Mike says and what he gives us through his coaching portal and experience, I hope it resonates with you. I hope that you get the invitation you need to make any type of conscious shift that is needed to actualize the life that you are looking to come into alignment with. Enjoy. I hope you go for a walk, get some water, sit back, relax. I hope you enjoy this episode with Mr. Mike Campbell of the Free Your Energy Tell us about the work that you're doing. The work that I'm doing. Well, you know, how I sum up kind of what I do, Sly, is that I help everyday men get their shit together in the the briefest sentence that I can put together. But what I like to say really is I work with men to, you know, help them understand themselves and perhaps a lot of the shit that they haven't either seen, been aware of, or maybe they've chosen to ignore that is causing frustrations and like generally 
preventing them from stepping into what's possible for them in their lives and their relationships. And so, you know, what that is, is um, always interesting, sometimes incredibly challenging. You know, I say that the the men that I work with tend to um, fall into this category. You know, if you think of personal development along the spectrum, if at one end you've got Tony Robbins and the other end you've got Homer Simpson, you know, my guys, they're bang in the middle and maybe just either side. So they might have never explored any kind of work on themselves before. Maybe they're in the gym, you know, they've allowed themselves a little bit of physical uh, improvement, let's call it. And maybe they've been looking and they've been listening to podcasts and they've been diving into some books and, and, you know, maybe following a few accounts on social media, but they haven't necessarily applied it or they've hit a ceiling in what they haven't tried to apply. And so my work is with those guys and inviting them in to take a first step into figuring this shit out into getting past what's blocking them and actually stepping into what's possible for them. And so I say it's always interesting but sometimes challenging because fundamentally I'm working with me from 15 years ago (laughs) and I can understand how frustrating sometimes it would have been to work with me 15 years ago, Uh, you know, when we are hiding behind and and perhaps stuck behind, you know, a big set of beliefs a big set of ideas about who we are, who we need to be as men and what we're allowed to do, you know, even just putting your hand up and saying, Sly, I'm struggling and my relationship is we're at each other all the time and there's never any peace and I don't know how to work through this. If you remove all of your own shit from that situation, the sensical thing is to go to someone and get some support. But, of course, as men, we struggle to do that. So, you know, what I actually absolutely love is breaking down this kind of work for men and making it simple, easy to understand and like applicable. I can do this. I can put it into work, into application in my life and actually make a difference. One of the things about offering a service, um, value, a product, you know, you have this medicine, right? You have this medicine to offer, but then you have people who may not be completely receptive to it, or you have people who may not understand that they need, they need this. Mm. So what type of challenges do you face when, you know, you get a, a guy who comes to you and, you know, they want to work with you. What type of challenges mm. do you face initially to get them to, you know, take the medicine that you're offering? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the challenges are, are wide and varied. And they can sound pretty, and they can sound like comfortable little, you know, justifications. They can sound like, yeah, you know, my wife, my life has just been so busy. I haven't been able to do, you know, anything, or um, you know, I haven't had the, the the time, perhaps the money. You know, they sound like lots of things, but I think fundamentally, the real challenge is a willingness to look at the shit that we kind of know is probably there, and it's probably going to be uncomfortable to look at. So I think ultimately the challenge is exploring the stuff that sits, you know, in the shadows. And um, for me, one of the things that I fundamentally believe is that we all have shit. And, you know, maybe it's part of human nature. I think it's exacerbated in the, in the age we live in with social media, et cetera, not to you know, paint that as the bad guy, but we live in a, a world of comparison, of seeing people's highlight reels, And, you know, that just piles on, in my opinion, a lot of pressure and to the belief system of I need to 
either have my shit together all the time or at least look like I do. And so that becomes very heavy. You know, you carry that around. And so all of the time we're kind of comparing my entire story to someone else's and everyone else's, you know, best bits and highlight reels. And so essentially what we're doing all the time is creating a bigger mountain for us to climb, right? And in that, and and this is something that I see, you know, so strongly for me, and is in that there is this belief that I have to be able to climb the mountain myself. In fact, I should know how to climb that mountain, shouldn't I? Of course I should. And so it just keeps preventing us from taking action from starting you know we're kind of trying to take this like running leap i'm going to try and climb the mountain in one big go fuck it didn't work you know what i'll run back again i'll try and climb the mountain in one big leap and so for me it's about hey this is a non-sexy cheesy cliche but we climb a mountain first step second step each step after the next step and so in my work the medicine i think really is how do we get that started first and foremost how do we make it easy to start how do we reduce the size of the mountain in front of us? You know, how do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. So there's lots of work that we need to get into, but it's no point in me coming to you and go, oh, I've got this solution, man. I've got this medicine that's going to fix all that shit. When you are like, one, I don't know what that is. And two, are you, what? No, this is fucking terrifying. You know, you know what? I'm good. I'm good, actually. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm working on something now and I've got some podcasts I'm going to listen to and I'll, and I'll come back to you soon. It's like, pfft. Right, so for me, the medicine is like we've got to start taking it, first of all. We've got to be willing to, at the very least, step forward and say, you know what, maybe I don't have my shit entirely together. Maybe I can work on some stuff. Maybe I don't have all the answers. And maybe there's people out there that, one, can help me, and two, won't judge me, and three, it's okay if I reach out and get some support and get some answers and get some guidance. You know, that mountain that you speak of that, it creates such a feeling of I'm overwhelmed or this mm. is too hard. This is too difficult. There's, there's no way little old me will be able to conquer that big old mountain. And like you say, you know, we just need to get you, get you going one step, like the first step. So I'm curious, let's say you get an email from me, you know, or maybe one of my guys listening, or maybe one of the ladies here listening decides that, you know, her husband or son or brother could use you. and it's intimidating, especially as men, when we're told, you know, that pressure you talked about, we need to be this way. We need to be this way. We should know already. We should be strong enough. What's the first meeting going to look like? Or, or what's the first talk going to look like? Like, what is that first step when we, when we come into your programs? Mm. Well, I mean, first of all, it's like, well, before we get into a program, you know, because, and I'm sure you would know, right? Like you get these kinds of emails and questions all the time, both from the dude reaching out and very much so the partner reaching out, you know, man, I get a lot of those, right? And so in part, they're probably two different answers, right? Depending on if it's him or his partner, whomever that may be. And so the first thing, the first part of that conversation when a guy reaches out to me is, dude, thank you for reaching out. Like, well done. This is a challenging step, one that so many guys struggle to take and it's important. I want to acknowledge that. But also, it's the first step. What's now important is the next step, right? So we need to explore that. And so then I want to understand a bit about it. The last thing that I'm wanting to do is go, here's a thing for you. Because I think the other thing that comes, especially in, in my experience and a lot of the men that I tend to work with, is there can be, you know, combined with this belief, I need to do it myself and I'm weak if I get solutions or ask for help and so on, it is a cozy little kind of truck and trailer that, um, but I think maybe the personal development injury industry is a bit sus, 
you know, like it just, it helps me remove myself from it. So, you know, my intention always is to be real, to be authentic and to be welcoming. And so how do we make this guy feel welcome? Well, first of all, it's probably not, I need to sell you into something. So I want to get to know him. How do you feel? What's going on for you? What are you experiencing right now? First of all, I want to understand, so I, can I help you? That's my first task. If I think I can, we can explore what that looks like. If I can't, then I'll do my best to support you and perhaps point you in a direction that I think will. And hopefully that will come across as I have no agenda beyond here is a dude who's recognized it could have been monumental, right? It could have been the mountain just to reach out and ask for help. So I've got to meet him where he's at. That's, that's you know, fundamentally what's going to happen for, for that dude. For the partner that reaches out, I'm like, beautiful, you know, thank you for doing that. Man, how lucky is he to have you in his life? You know, beyond perhaps any of the details, my suggestion to you is to invite him. You know, he, he is not going to work with telling, you need to do this, I want you to do this. I found this guy, Mike, you need to listen to his podcast or whatever. It's invite him to step forward, of course, being very aware and perhaps willing to accept that he might not want to. That's a different conversation. Uh, so that's kind of the start. Right. Then when it comes to the work, you know, um, there's this question that seems to have um, been a through line in my work ever since I kind of transitioned into this work about eight or nine years ago. And it was this question, who am I? And I used to have some workshops that I would run and that was kind of like the central question and, you know, there's all the stuff that would feed back into it. And, you know, my, my work evolved into a program that's now kind of had a, a second or third iteration. And, you know, that question is actually still the first question in the first module and I think about it and I go you know I'm 39 I know a few things I don't know a lot more (laughs) but for 39 and a bit years I have been me and so I kind of think objectively surely if there's one thing in this world I know it's me it's the answer to who am I but of course when we actually sit and try and answer it it's it's like oh, oh, it can be daunting, challenging, confronting, or it can be like completely unconscious, right? And so I have learned over the years that asking that question can be very, very challenging to men. And so when we come into my program, and that's essentially the first question we're looking at, we're not, um, we're also managing our expectations along the way because I think they will tend to fuck our lives. But we're looking at that question going, this is an ongoing question for your life. We're going to start exploring it. We're going to look at it intensely for two weeks. That doesn't mean we're attempting to answer it with perfection in two weeks. But we're getting into the mode of ongoing curiosity about yourself, how you operate in the world, what you're about and what you want for your life. And so that is, you know, the start of, I suppose, uh, a deeper dive into self-awareness. So what if I ask myself that question and I say, who am I? And the answers that I get are uncomfortable. Hmm. or I don't, I don't like them, or I don't want to say it out loud. How do I, you know, how do I begin to make space for the Mm. truth of those answers? Yeah. And so very common too, I think, because it's very easy to blind ourselves to the parts of us that we don't want to explore and, you know, often bury our head in the sand. Um, But, you know, those, that realization, which is, incredibly common, I think, um, gets to be greeted with grace. You know, as men, my experience is we can lean towards being incredibly tough on ourselves. 
you know, the inner dialogue is one of like being incredibly harsh and, you know, often beating ourselves up. I do something, you know, wrong. I'm already using judgmental language and I use that. Um, do, I do something wrong. And so then I beat myself up for it. And so it gets in the spin. You know, the more that dialogue um, exacerbates and grows, you know, the more I essentially look at myself like a piece of shit. And I'm almost waiting for that until I just switch off from it and, you know, live a perhaps very unconscious life, ignoring that. And then I maybe ask that question. I go into it again. So my first point here is use some grace. Be gentle with yourself as you are venturing into parts that have perhaps been hidden in the dark for some time. And, you know, I, I like to think of that like this. If you, you know, my right arm here, I'm, I'm holding it out for those listening. If I didn't use that, if I strapped that behind my back for a year, and also if I kept it covered and never saw the light of day, what would happen to that arm? I mean, it would hurt <laughs> for some degree, but it would atrophy, it would weaken, it would lose all color. And that's what happens. The things that sit in the dark for some time, they atrophy, they get weaker. And what we often do as men is we go into something new and instantly we want to be experts, we want to be masters at something. We have this expectation that I now need to be fluent. But if you're trying to use an, a, a, an atrophied arm that hasn't been used for a year, that thing is going to be incredibly weak, brother. Like, have some patience with yourself as you exercise this thing, as you bring it into the light. Give it some goddamn vitamin D. So, you know, we see these things, we see these things and, we, and we go into that self-beat-up mode. And, you know, my invitation is to have some grace and patience and some kindness for those parts of yourself. Now, if that's like, oh, okay, well, uh, how do I do that? Because my mode is just to beat myself up. You know, there's potentially many options here. But the first one for me is always the first port of call is this. Well, then I think you need some support. And that doesn't have to be a coach or anything like that. It's potentially someone who can sit with you. You know, you spoke about creating space. Often it, we can lean on the space that someone else can create and hold for us. And so it might be sly. I listened to this podcast. It asked some deep questions. I decided to sit down and reflect on some of those questions, and I've been pretty challenged by what I found. I don't know how to get myself out of the spin of beating myself up about what I uncovered. Could you sit with me, hear me out, and reflect back to me what you're hearing? And if anything pops up to you about how I am spinning in this world of shame and piling more shit on myself, give me some feedback. Now, in my mind, when I say that, it sounds fairly simple, but I know for a lot of guys, that's a very hard step to take, to ask someone. So that space is very much around safety. You know, and the, the earlier point about what's the first thing that I'll do with a gentleman, it's like, hopefully, ensure that he feels safe. So that's what we need to be able to do for ourselves. I'm looking at these parts, instantly I don't feel safe. If I don't have the skills to create that safety myself, where else and whom else uh, can I create some safety with so that I can explore those and perhaps take a different tact, look at them differently, start to you know mend and move on? It's important to get to a place of safety. When you are unsafe in your experience, in your body, there's inflammation. There's danger that may not even really be real danger, but, you know, mm -hmm. we're perceiving it as that way. Uh, there's often a lot of fear and anxiety. So it's like it's so crucial that we do find safety, whether that be in ourselves or in a relationship and friendships and community. So I, I just love how you say if you can't give yourself that grace, ask for support. 
I think that invitation is going to land with everybody listening because I'm pretty sure all of us can relate to a time. It could be a present time where we're not giving ourselves grace and then we're not asking for support. (laughs) And I like how you lay it out for us. Like, no, no, you need to ask for the support. Even if you fall off your commitment or you fall off your focus, Mm -hmm. like ask for that support. What is a, what is a reason that you coach men? Uh, you know, you're, you, do you coach women? Have you ever coached women? Why men's work? Mm. I mean, I, I've got plenty of reasons. I'll, I'll start with, I'll start with one. So you, look, yes, I, ha- I have worked with women in the past and, you know, it's great. And I've, I've had some, you know, amazing experiences. My, my experience is, you know, I kind of mentioned it almost briefly before, like fundamentally I'm, I'm coaching, you know, Mike from, 25 years old so you know like the simple thing is i'm resonating with the dudes because i am that dude and the other thing i think is that generally speaking women to genderize you know but the feminine is more emotive and open and and and, you know emptying and problem solving and, and discussing and connecting and the masculine and for a lot of dudes that's the mode we sit in is is kind of an ineffective form of we're not as open we're more in our head, logical, and, you know, I think piled on top of that is a lot of societal conditioning and messages that we have around, you know, what it is to be a man that speaks to things like, don't cry, hold your shit in, sort it out, you know, over, over here in New Zealand and Australia, um, drink a cup of concrete and harden up. All of those things that essentially speak to shutting off our own emotional side and, you know, communicating, connecting and being more open and so you know when i started to like really explore what i was finding you know at, at this point in time sly was a personal trainer and i've been doing that for you know about 10 years and one of the things that i well one was doing was like a lot of work on myself there's a lot of self-reflection and you know some of the things that came into that were like what am i doing what am I good at? What do I care about? You know, what am I actually really good at? And I found that like unconsciously over the years of of working with people, mostly men in a physical setting, I was seeing the same stuff. And like I boiled it down to this physically, we're not where we want to be mentally. We're not where we want to be. And those two are very, very linked. And then thirdly, if I want to do something about it, where do I start? Oh my God, there is so much confusing information. It's daunting. And and that kind of created a bit of an itch that I had to scratch. And what I started finding the more I scratched was, man, this has been me. This has been so so many of the guys that I work with, my friendships. You know, this is the kind of conversations we have. It's all at the surface. What's going on with men? And that's when I started to look at things like mental health statistics, suicide statistics, you know, things that speak to life uh, and, and, you know, life dissatisfaction, the inability for men to connect, to discuss our problems. And so the more I looked at this, the more I was like, there is something going on with men that one, I am, oh, something's going on in me. I'm clearly driven to explore this. So I'm going to follow that. I'm going to follow that rabbit hole. Uh, and two, I seem to have developed some skills that helped us in the men that I come across. And so that was kind of the, the diving into the rabbit hole of working specifically with men at the same time, having some level of self-awareness that, oh yeah, well, this is also for me too. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's kind of what starts it. Um, 
the continuation of is essentially, man, there is this monumental need, in my opinion, for mature men. And I think empowered and mature men can make a ginormous difference on this planet. Now, that's not to say that this is all about men. Um, you know, I've, my experience is women tend to lean more towards working on themselves. Um, that's clearly not a statement that say women are perfect, but they tend to be more open to exploration. And so, you know, the other part that you'll see in what I said earlier, Sly, and who I work with is, is men that maybe not have been doing this work. You know, I don't resonate with men who are, you know, deeply into personal development. You know, maybe they're in the spiritual world because they're more doing that work. Like they might not be sorted. They might need some support, but at least they're on the journey. And for me, if I look at a bell curve of men, you know, most of the men that need the work are sitting bang in the middle. That's where I resonate with. That's where part of me is like, that's where we can make a difference. And so who am I not to apply myself? To that area right there. Oftentimes with coaches, especially for men, the coaching usually goes towards two avenues. You have the avenue of physical training, you know, so let's get your traps right. Let's get your back right. Get your chest, you know, let's, let's get something off that belly. And then you have usually business coaching. Hey, here's how you can make six figures. Here's how you can make seven figures. Here's, here's how you how you should invest, right? Those are typically the avenues we get as men. Whereas what you're talking about, uh, more of the emotional development, mm. usually more, you know, that 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 does lean more towards towards women. So in your coaching, do you have men that come to you and they want the first two, they want, you know, they want the money, they want the better body. And then they don't see a need for any type of like emotional development or, or introspective, you know, at least investigation of self. Mm. And if you come across that hurdle, you know, how do you, how do you give them what they want? Right. While also giving them what they need. So, Hey, you want to talk about money and you want to talk about your body. I got you there. But also we need to talk about this shadow that you, that you're, you're refusing to acknowledge. So how do you, how do you do that? Yeah, so I mean, the first answer really is like, no, I don't so much because I suppose men are coming to me knowing what I'm doing and wanting them about. And if, if someone's coming to me going, I only want the body or only the money, I don't want to work on that stuff, then they haven't been paying attention to like who I am and what I'm about. Now, that certainly was the case, you know, back kind of 2011, 2012, 2013, when I was, you know, really um, transitioning into this. And so that was the big question in my mind, like, how do I give them what they want? but also, you know, give them what they need. Um, and, and fundamentally, so like one of the reasons that I, you know, fully stopped any kind of, you know, work in the physical in terms of personal training was because I realized whilst that is a huge avenue for a lot of men to start the work, if I know that I'm working on something else, my integrity couldn't sit in that space of like essentially let me let let's work on this and we're going to sneak this work in over there i just couldn't do it i was like i i know this is the work so i need to step into that so that has dwindled right now i may definitely get men who come to me knowing what i'm about and we're going to work on you know their shit let's call it however they might still be in the headspace of cool so 
I'm hearing that mic, but yeah, look, if I, I know that if I get the body <laughs> sorted and, you know, if I can just get, you know, that job or, or more money, you know, and, and maybe like, you know, more time that, that will give me that status, et cetera, then I'll feel okay. Then I'll be sorted. So, it, you know, we definitely have guys still coming in that mode, but perhaps not as extreme and blind to, we get to work on your emo- emotional literacy. So how do we explore that? You know, with grace and and um, with curiosity. You know, my invitation to the men that I work with is to be curious, you know, a curious explorer. And if we can take on that invitation, then we've kind of created the space for that. You know, so if you're sitting there going, yeah, but I just need to get that money. And then, you know, if I get that girlfriend, why? So, you know, to to the body or to the money, you know, there's many questions we will explore quite likely, but I'll ask something simple right now. And that is, what will the money provide for you? And anything that we are generally doing is taking us towards a feeling um, that we might not have connected into. Or we might have, but we're still stuck, speaking to, you know, perhaps a gentleman in this space, we're still stuck in this idea that, but then, you know, if I do X or I get Y, then I can feel Z. Well, maybe we can shortcut those and go, oh, so it's about Z. Okay, well, maybe we can explore that. And so for me, that's often, you know, what's sitting behind the quest for more money or the quest for the body, you know, I've got to get them abs, is what do you hope that, that will provide for you? How do you want to feel? Because that's what we can work on. Now, that doesn't mean you can't strive for, you know, financial success in your career and you can't strive to, you know, have a, a great physique, but we want to understand your intentions behind it so we can get to your motivations. And if something is, you know, this is the way I really simply look at things, we're driven by two things. One is fear and avoidance of pain or discomfort or past hurt and discomfort or towards purpose towards pleasure you know towards love so fear and love are two very different drivers and if i want money so then i'm not poor or my kids don't have to go through what i went through then i'm always going to be in that place of avoiding something and it's never really going to land for me so my shift is if we want to explore those things fill your boots but first of all let's own what the intentions are and then how can we shift that to something that strives you forward you know i want that money because i want to provide that lifestyle for my family where we have a home on the beach you know and we can come home at the end of the day and we can walk out into the sand you know and we can entertain like all of a sudden now i'm building something that i'm driven towards versus i just don't want that pile of shit over there that i've experienced in the past that is a powerful experience to really set your intention and to really before even setting the intention really investigating what your intentions Mm. are currently and why they are that way you really made me think of someone that i personally know a gentleman that i know who has been saying two things to me for the last mm, let's say six or seven years he needs you by the way uh one of the things he's been saying is you know i just need to lose this weight Mm. I just need to lose this weight. I just need to lose this weight. And then the other thing he's saying is, you know, I just need to make six figures a year. I just need to make six figures a year. And I've always felt curious as to why. Mm. Why are you setting, why are you saying that you just need to lose this weight? And why are you saying, I just need six figures a year? Mm. What, let's say you get those. What's going to happen then? Like, what, 
once once you make six figures a year, in my opinion, you'll actually realize it's not as much as you thought it was. <laughs> you know, he's making, I mean, he's making about 75, 80. So he's, he's pretty close. I mean, yeah, look, $20,000. We will live to our means, money. right? So our means will increase yeah. with it. <laughs> look, $20,000 is a lot of money, but is it really going to make that big of a difference in your life? Because you're not investigating that hole. You're not investigating your intention. You know, and then like when he says, I just want to lose the weight. Well, because I know him, I know that he's running from that question you asked, you know, who are you? Mm -hmm. He's running from that question because if he sat down and answered that question, he would be able to observe his behaviors Mm -hmm. that continue to keep the weight on. Mm -hmm. This is a guy who goes to the gym, but he doesn't lose the weight. Well, the, Mm -hmm. the gym's not your problem. Uh, your problem is your lack of portion control. His problem is his emotional eating. His problem is constantly feeling like he's not enough. So he mm-hmm. overeats, mm-hmm. you know? And so I just love how you're asking us to really look at what our goals are. And we're not just making goals just mm-hmm. for the hell of it, but to really, really investigate. You said something to me that I want to have you dive in a little bit here you said uh, you mentioned emotional literacy mm-hmm. i know most people may know what that is but i haven't heard that term used so i would love for you to just elaborate mm-hmm. a little more on what emotional emotional literacy will look like yeah so i mean i think you know in a really simple sense if you think of emotions like a language a lot of people you know and in, in my line of work a lot of men haven't learned the language you know, it's like if you grew up, okay, so this is a very real example. You know, I'm from New Zealand. I usually live in Australia, but I'm, but I'm in New Zealand now. My wife is part Māori. And so the Māori language is, the, New Zealand has two official languages, English and, and Māori. Um, but for a long time, Māori was like essentially shamed and stamped out. You know, like just now it's really starting to flourish. People are really, you know, celebrating it. You know, they bring it into signposts and onto news um, you know, broadcasts and so on. But if you grew up and for a long time, but let's say my wife, you know, in the in the eighties and nineties, um, you didn't learn that language. And and why? Because it was shamed out of you. To know that language and to be Māori was to be bad, to be dirty, all these things, right? So now all of a sudden, if we say to her, hey, it's it's good to to know Māori. Go, speak it. Your literacy of that language is poor, very poor. Well, that's being and emotions. Emotions essentially is a language of a sort, but we've had this long-term pattern of having it shamed and squashed and brushed off and diminished. And so if we want to explore and be able to understand our emotions in a very simple sense, to be able to process, understand, to get the message that an emotion is giving us and to be able to communicate from that level, like actually connect with people, that's emotions you know we want love we want to feel loved we want to feel like we belong we want to have rich intimate connections that's your emotions brother uh if you've never addressed those things if they have been squashed and shamed and diminished and like my you know dead dying um very pasty white arm hidden in the dark for such a long time then they weaken 
And so we have to improve our literacy in that. So, you know, I just choose to, 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 to use that term. But if you think of it like a language, it's essentially becoming more fluent in it. And, you know, it's like, again, as I said earlier, we want to try and um, go from I don't know something to I'm a master of it in a moment. And there's a lot of shame and, you know, expectations and belief systems wrapped up in that. But if I said to you, Sly, I need you to know Spanish. It's going to help your entire world. So, okay, well, if I don't currently know it, I need to spend some time. I need to work on it. You know what I probably need to do? Get some resources. It might not have to be a, a, a Spanish coach, but it's going to be some resources that I consume and practice and practice and practice and practice. And so for, for men, um, for a lot of people, but for me, that is emotional literacy is actually working on understanding, you know, not just your emotions, like something happens and have this emotional response, but even to your friend's um, situation. I just got to get rid of that weight. I just got to get that six figures. So why is the first question. But beyond that, how do you hope that those things will make you feel? Now, I bet you on some level he knows that. But with poor emotional literacy, we just chase the thing not knowing what is actually driving it. My suspicion would be for someone like that, it's so that I can feel more secure in myself. You know, we chase more money under the guise of financial security, which of course is a very real thing, to a point. Well, how much is enough for you to feel financially secure without doing the work? And so the result being, I just think more money will help me feel more secure in myself, which of course it won't. So, you know, that is emotional literacy, being able to understand why am I chasing all of this shit. Why am I, as you said, working out all the time, but emotionally eating and, you know, not using portion control and not allowing myself to execute on the behaviors that will get me the result I think I want because I don't feel secure in myself. Because I don't feel like I'm good enough. And the man that doesn't feel good enough will not allow himself to do the things he wants that gets him towards the goal that he thinks he's, he thinks he wants. And often not feeling good enough will also create behaviors that self-sabotage mm. your relationships, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and your life. Because when you feel worthy, um, contextually, whatever that is for, you know, each person, but when you feel worthy, you treat people based on how you feel you know, about, about yourself and how you're viewing yourself. And so your relationships actually get better. Friendships, you know, relationships, mm -hmm. how you're showing up at work. Everything gets better once you allow yourself to feel, you know, worthy of that goal that he set or worthy of success, if you will, or worthy of just being in your body, hmm. just being in your body. Like that's, that's enough. Hmm. You're worthy of actually that. feeling secure, the thing that he's chasing, right? Right. What if he allowed yeah. himself, because I mean, this is about a percept, a perception change. What if he allowed himself to recognize that he got a bachelor's degree, that he got a master's degree and that he's been employed for the last 10 years. And so his security isn't actually in the amount of money that he's making, but he has security in the fact that he has been employed his entire adult life. Even if he's quit a job or has been fired, he's been hired because of not only his skill set, but because of his education as well. So for the rest of his working adult life, he will have secure income. 
Mm. Their security right there. But he's not he's not able to see that because he thinks he needs more money. Mm. And I'm willing to I'm willing to bet my next meal that I'm willing to bet my next meal that once he becomes secure in the skills that he has and the education that he has, the network that he has and who he is, I'm willing to bet that once he becomes secure there, he then will make more money. But he's not going to make more money until he becomes secure in himself. This is my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I can I actually speak to this in my own life mm-hmm. because there was mm-hmm. a time when I'm looking at my sales. I'm like, OK, I need to get this sale. This is my target. This is my target. And my driving factor was I need to hit a sales metric. Well, that stresses you out. That causes anxiety. That actually got me away from the point of why I was doing the work that I was doing. So I had to really go back and, and really investigate, as you were saying. And what happened for me is I made a, a, fund, a, a foundational shift and I said, no, I'm not focusing on sales metrics anymore because it doesn't feel good. It doesn't align with me. What I need to focus on is how much effort I'm putting into the work. Is the work coming from my heart? We both do heart-centered work. Mm. So when you take heart-centered work and you make it about metrics, you lose. In my opinion, I think it's okay to look at metrics, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing business, being an entrepreneur, like Mm -hmm. you need to eat, you need to take care of your kids. Right. Yeah. But when you focus solely on the metrics, you lose the purpose. And so my friend, you, you just made me realize my friend is focusing on the metrics. I need to lose this weight. I need to make six figures. Those are the metrics. Okay. The metrics exist, but now let's pull it more towards, like you said, your intention. What's your intention? Mm. Yeah, because I, I feel like something, there's probably a really key word in there for him and for so many men, and that is what, what conditions do I have in the way of me feeling like a success? And it sounds like for him, like for many men, you know, my ability to provide, how much money I can earn and the status I get with my job and, you know, potentially power that comes with that. There's, there's so much in the way of him allowing himself to feel, as we said before, secure, but even remotely at peace with himself. He's putting, he's putting his happiness, essentially, off until he can reach those things, which, of course, as mm. you've just discussed, essentially, the things that will allow him to reach those things will be being happy in himself, operating from a place of love internally. And so this idea for me that, you know, I will be a success if or when um, gets to be investigated. Mm. And it puts it places it places the potential of his happiness in the future Mm. instead of the present. And happiness is an experience that's supposed to be felt in the present moment. Mm. You can't say to yourself, once this thing happens, I'm going to be happy because you don't really know. You don't know until you get to that place you might not be happy when you get there yeah and you know like the the thing with that statement is be happy right and so it's be happy as you see it's in the now you know as mean and and and, you know i see it of course it happens for all people but in this kind of context similar to your friend we have these things that i need to do to be but actually the being happy is is in the moment and so I think one of the other things, and I, and I think this is really important to speak to, because, you know, as you said, like your friend has so much to feel secure about. He's clearly very employable. 
But when we have this idea that I will only be a success if I have, you know, like all the money and this job, the expectation is massive of who I think I need to be. And so what do I do? I belittle and diminish and not even validate and, and, and um, appreciate all of my amazing qualities and all of my amazing work and all of my amazing application. You know, so all of that stuff that you said, I'm assuming, he just kind of looks past. Those are the reasons why you get to feel proud of yourself. Those are the reasons. Look at who I am. Look at who I've chosen to be. But we look past that stuff. You know, if I have a fundamental belief that I'm not good enough, then I am going to keep wandering through life, looking for things that prove that belief right. You know, I approach a woman. She doesn't want to date me. It eventuates my story. Ah, I wasn't good enough. That's what we'll do as humans. As weird as it is, we want to be right, <laughs> no matter how much right um, you know, that might mess with our heads. At the same time, we look past the evidence that disproves that. I have all these people that love me. I have all these people that choose to be in friendship and relationship with me. I have, you know, maybe people that tell me they're proud of me and I brush it off as, yeah, but, you know, you have to say that. No, they don't. Your friends don't need to stick around you. Your parents don't have to be proud of you. But we look past all of that evidence that is screaming at us because of this belief system that we keep operating, that we keep putting faith in, even though it keeps us pressed down under its thumb. Tell us about a belief system that you used to have that you had to break away with uh, and tell us how your life changed. Mm. I mean, I, I had a few, definitely. There's one that I had, you know, my experience growing up, Sly, is not um, one that you would look at objectively and say, oh, that was traumatic, you know, but I think this is a really important point, especially for a lot of guys that get into comparison mode, that get into, you know, comparing my shit with your shit, is that what you went through is only relative to your own experience. And so my experience, you know, I had a loving family, I had all the support in the world, you know, we certainly didn't have money, but I had the opportunity, I had the backing, I had the support, but we moved around a lot. We moved around a lot. You know, when I was seven, I went to a new school. And for me, that was a shitty experience, <laughs> just to be blunt with it. It was terrifying. I went into a classroom now with hindsight that was, I was a center of attention. It was a very unwelcoming, not very compassionate um, teacher. And all of this change and upheaval for a seven-year-old kid who had learned from his parents that stability and safety and, and you know, risk-averse was kind of the thing. That was influential for me. And then, you know, a year later we moved again and, you know, it happened a few more times. And so I keep reiterating that first experience of being a new kid and, and you know, not having a stable uh, life to kind of, you know, be able to bank on and feel safe. And so one of the things that really created in me was this aversion to change, aversion to new things. And so, you know, skip forward through my, you know, early teens and adolescence and certainly well into my early 20s. You could probably have summed me up with a few words, but one of those words would be stubborn. I was 
an incredibly stubborn piece of shit. <laughs> I could argue with the best of them and justify why things should remain the same. And so the belief system that was really at my core was that something along the lines of change and new things are not good, are unpleasant. I will, you know, be hurt, something along those lines. That fundamentally had to shift. And so one of the ways in which that shifted was, even though that's running, in parallel to that, I always kind of had this belief and desire to, to do my own thing. So there was this big part of me that, you know, that change and things to be stable, you know, wanted to fit in and wanted to belong. But at the same time, there was this little thing running under the surface that, yeah, but don't do everything like everyone else. And I'm so thankful for that. How that came about, I don't know, but it did. So when I got to the age of 24, I had left university. I'd started a personal training business. I moved to Australia for a short time, but I was playing rugby at the time. And in my head, I was always going to go and do that. And an opportunity came up to move to Scotland to play rugby. And I was like, I'm doing it. So for me, you know, fairly safe old me, but still I'm 24. So I am, you know, grown adult at this point. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Now, I moved to the other side of the world. I did not know anyone. I, I moved into this small town. I did not know what was waiting for me. And, you know, like the team were in the middle of the season and they were losing and I was kind of being brought in as the quote-unquote savior. For me, I was a 24-year-old single dude going to the other side of the world to have some fun. You know, like it was a totally different um, mindset that was going on. But what ha ended up happening I don't know if we could have scripted because it was a small town. I lived with one flatmate. He was the player coach. He became my bro. We trained. That was it. And so all of a sudden, I found myself with a lot of time with myself. And I chose to, to be in that space. And so for a very short period of time, about six months, I did a lot of self-reflection. Now, as a 24-year-old single dude in a new place where all of a sudden I'm the one with the accent, you know, I had a little bit of attention from women and I was very focused on that part of my life. And one of the things that I realized was, oh man, I am up in my head a lot. I am terrified of rejection. And all of this was just kind of like bouncing around and, and, and being presented to me all the time. And I started to really uncover some of these beliefs that I had around change, around stubbornness, around how I was terrified of new things. And even a situation like approaching someone new, what if, what if, what if they reject me? What if, what if? And so this little period of my life, you know, wasn't like everything changed, but it was a fairly significant catalyst in looking within myself, understanding a lot more about myself and choosing to make some different choices you know, choosing some different behaviors. And, you know, one of the things that I kind of said to myself at the time was, fuck, Mike, you've got to get over yourself. I'm making everything about me because that was my safe place. And so I realized that when I get to that edge of something uncomfortable where I feel awkward or that, that, that sh kind of shock of, of adrenaline, you know, onto my heart or, or those nerves, you know, in my stomach. I have spent a lifetime leaning away from that thing. Unless it was in a realm where I felt competent, like on a sports field, I would fucking throw down. Anywhere else, oh man, I don't know. 
So first of all, I learned to recognize that feeling. Second of all, I said to myself, and this became a mantra which was fairly significant, if you don't want to do it, you have to do it. And whilst that was very blind, some of those things might not have served me, it all served me because I built a pattern of moving towards things that made me feel uncomfortable, that challenged me. And I soon was able to really shift that idea that like, I need things to be stable and secure and the same. And so, you know, from that period, this started to evolve, behaviors changed. Oh, all of a sudden, the story started to shift because I was seeing evidence that I could pay attention to. Uh, so that was, you know, like a, a fairly significant um, anchoring story and, and, and the shifting of it. Thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm curious about one of the men that you've worked with. I'm sure you have a client that you have completely changed his life. Um, obviously, don't share the name, um, but I'm curious if you could just tell us, you know, what the what the transition was like. How did he come to you and, you know, how did your work shift him? Mm hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, there's a few guys like that come to mind. There always is. You know, I, I love the work that I do, right? You know, just yesterday I got this um, text message from someone that was essentially just explaining where he's at right now, you know, and it was just all these amazing things. And and he was like, like, I just share this because it's, it's wicked and I want you to know. Um, I love that stuff, right? That's what the work is about. But there's this other guy that comes to mind in what you, um, and when you asked me that. And it's this guy, I, I love him. He's an Australian guy from, you know, kind of like small town Queensland. And so that might be like someone from maybe small town like Texas or something, you know, um, it, it, like quintessential Australian, not quite Crocodile Dundee, but in that mob for those in your part of the world. And I get this phone call. I get I, So, you know, depending on what's going on, like I have, you know, different courses and all that kind of stuff but like my major coaching program is the everyday legends academy and so i had an intake that i was doing enrollments for and so this guy you know when that's happening you can book calls this guy books a call with me right so all i know is the questions that he's answered for me to to um prepare me for the call i get on and the first question i ask him is essentially why are you and i on the phone right now and you know i get this like really kind of strong australian accent and he's like Mike, look, last week, mate, my missus, she fucking gave me an ultimatum. She said, if you don't get your shit together, I'm out of here. So I Googled, how do I get my shit together? And your name came up. <laughs> and so here I am. I'm on the phone. <laughs> and so the thing That's for hilarious. him was. <laughs> the thing for I Googled him was, how to get your shit together right? and your name came up. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was starting from zero. Now, for a lot of men, unfortunately, we have to hit some kind of a rock bottom. That's all very contextual for everyone. For him, that was the message. If, if you don't do something, I'm gone. Fuck. So he booked them with me. It had been about four days between those times. So he'd been like researching. He'd been consuming. That was the catalyst for him to fucking do something. Now, we had a beautiful conversation. He eventually joined in my program. Now, you know, men come into my program, they're all at different points. He was very fresh. He was green. But he brought a thirst because not only was the catalyst um, necessary, you know, obviously before that, he'd just been bumbling along through his life by his own admission. The catalyst started it and then his thirst for, oh, it's fucking more possible for me, 
grew, and and that's what really um, allowed him to to lean in. What happened to him? Well, you know, I've shared this story um, with someone recently, and the question was, well, what happened in in his relationship? You know, are they still together? Because that was the context of how it started. And it's like, well, actually, you know what? Like, in essence, that wasn't the conversation moving forward because things moved for him so monumentally. The relationship was solid. You know, she was diving into herself. They were working on individually themselves and then their relationship together. But like in a short period of time, fundamentally what he did was looked at how he'd been living his life, the choices he'd been making, why he'd been making a lot of those choices, and what was a lot of that shit that was in the way. And with curiosity and with support in a safe environment, he was able to dig into those and go, you know what? This hasn't been serving me and I don't want this for myself anymore. And so what do I want for myself? I want this thing over here. And so where he's at right now is like, as I said, his relationship is solid. And, you know, he still struggles with some of his same old patterns. You know, he's someone who says yes to everything. He comes last. He still struggles with that because this journey is always ongoing. But, you know, I was so, so proud of him when we um, graduated from, from the course. One of the things that he'd been working on was, you know, in his business, basically it was a huge chunk of his business and his life was something that he hated doing. And it was a relationship that he didn't want to do, but he'd always felt he had to stick in it. And what he'd been applying him to beyond his own individual work on himself was, I am removing this situation from my life. And so, you know, the words that I would use to to sum up like where he had shifted to was from someone who was bumbling through life and then all of a sudden realizing, oh, I am terrified of rejection and what people think of me. This was an overwhelming realization for him when he started was the shift to, man, I feel free. I just feel so much more at peace. My mind isn't racing. I look after myself. You know, one of the things that he did after immediately after graduation was went, he's got, a, you know, a, a wife, obviously. He's got some young children. He went away on a fishing trip by himself for a week. Now, that's not something where he just left the relationships and see you later, but it was an indication for me of where the relationship was at and where he, he'd never allowed himself to do something like that. And though for me, those are the indications that this work is working. So proud of him. I'm so proud of his journey. I'm so proud that he was able to find you. It's so interesting what he Googled and who he found. <laughs> <laughs> he, he found the right guy. I mean, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm like, oh, I better Google it after this and see what comes up. <laughs> and look, that's the thing, you know, like, and, and I've, I've said that for a long time. It's, that's what I do, you know, to the point that I'm, you know, creating a course at the moment that is called Get Your Shit Together 101 because I recognize for a lot of men that's where we're at. You know, we're, we're at not at rock bottom necessarily, but we need to start. And I believe if we can start, then the journey is yours to take it wherever you want. How do we get connected with your work and your podcast, all the offerings that you have? How do we how do we come into your world? Yeah, well, you can you know find me on Instagram. It's kind of the standard these days, Mike Campbell MC, um, or my website, mikecampbell.com.au. 
And, yeah, you know, you'll generally find everything there. As I said, I've got a course coming out soon. I've got some other courses, you know, supporting me and around relationships and, and my major program, the Everyday Legends Academy. We kind of have a few intakes a year. And that's the name of my podcast as well. So wherever you find podcasts, if you Google Everyday Legends Podcast, you'll find me. And, look, please reach out. You know, hopefully you, you gathered from this conversation early on that sometimes it's a simple question. And I appreciate those questions. I appreciate how hard it can be sometimes to ask those questions. Uh, and so I love having a dialogue because often, you know, I might have had, who knows, and, and hopefully this is true for many people, I might have had dialogue and a brief exchange with someone and they never work with me again, but they might have gone on and done something else. Like, beautiful, you know. So if you're struggling to start, just recognize that both so many people also are and so many people have in the past and they started it's not that hard all right lightning round are you ready oh yeah i'm gonna ask you three questions give me your quickest answer don't think about it (laughs) ready hit me what are you most proud of my daughter Mm. what is your biggest fear right now my biggest fear right now would be not, like in a sense, not seeing her grow up, but I think it's probably more, you know, because that's, I don't really sit in that space of like fearing death, which I suppose that really speaks to. I think it's more something resulting in me not being able to be present in my daughter's life. You get to give one piece of medicine to all the people that you love. What would you give them? You belong. You are safe with me. Always. Thank you for joining, brother. Thanks for having me.